Hello, this is Pastor Dan, and thanks for listening to this Worship by Phone recording posted during the week of Sunday, June 13th, the third Sunday after Pentecost. During this recording, you will hear Myra Jones read scripture, and then you will hear my sermon, followed by our closing hymn and then the benediction. So let us now quiet our hearts as we prepare for worship. And reading from the Old Testament, the first scripture is Ezekiel chapter 17, verses 22 to 24. If you would like to follow along in a pew Bible, it's on page 784 and the large print 1191. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of a cedar. I will set it out. I will break off a tender one from the topmost of its young twigs. I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel, I will plant it in order that may it produce boughs and bear fruit and become a noble cedar. Under it, every kind of bird will live. In the shade of its branches will nest, linked creatures of every kind. All the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree, I make high the low tree. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will accomplish it. And from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse 26 to 34, in the Pew Bible, page 38, and the large print, page 54. He also said, the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. Here ends the reading. So as many of us might know, uh, we are now in the midst of a special season, that being graduation season. Thankfully, this year, colleges and high schools were able to send out their seniors on a much more traditional note with some kind of commencement ceremony. As these students graduate year after year, we celebrate them, and with speeches and cards, we, we hope to give them words of wisdom and inspiration that they can draw on in the future, making this the season of inspirational quotes as well, like this one from legendary UCLA basketball coach John Wooden. Things work out best for those who make the best out of how things work out. It's very elegantly written, 
The repetition of words makes it very memorable. But for every inspirational quote that you could find, you'll also be able to find another quote that, well, wouldn't be making it into a graduation card anytime soon. Look no further than the late great former Yankee catcher Yogi Berra to uh, provide such quotes, as many of you may have heard. Quotes like, it ain't over until it's over. Yeah, of course. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. Yup, we know that one. Congratulations, I knew the record would stand until it was broken. It's usually how records work. And of course, my favorite, a nickel ain't worth a dime anymore. Never had in the first place. These don't inspire anyone, but instead elicit a certain response from everyone. Yeah, duh, that's how it works. Now there are some really well-known parts of scripture. For God so loved the world, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Love is patient, love is kind. But even as popular as Jesus made mustard seeds, this part of Mark 4, I don't think will ever be profoundly quoted or found in any type of card anytime soon. I invite us then to, to hear this passage with a certain level of absurdity. It's kind of funny. Picture both Jesus and the crowd around him fighting back smiles as this was being told for the first time. Because I think realizing the absurdity in what Jesus is saying here can teach us something. So in this passage, there are two parables that Jesus tells us here, one about a farmer and the other about a mustard seed. The first parable about a farmer is about as close to a yogiism that Jesus gets. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like this, that a farmer scatters seeds. A farmer doesn't exactly know how the seeds or the plants will grow, but the farmer works tirelessly anyway. The seeds grow up from the ground, and once the grain is ripe, the farmer harvests it. Scatter seeds, works tirelessly, the seed grows from the ground, the farmer harvests it. Imagine the crowd. As we read last week, the crowd around Jesus was growing with people who wanted to be healed and hear these profound words of wisdom that they could never uh, say for themselves. So they're waiting around to be enlightened with great wisdom, only to hear words about, yeah, this is how a farm is supposed to work in the first place. Gee, thanks, Jesus. How profound. You describe something that we already know a whole lot about. But without missing a beat, Jesus continues on. Jesus keeps up with this plant theme and the parable of the mustard seed. And now to understand how funny this may have sounded to everybody, we need to understand how kingdoms were normally described if they were talked about in terms of plants. And that's where our reading from Ezekiel comes into play. Here, the kingdom of Israel is described as a mighty tree. In the verses leading up to this, Ezekiel uses this tree imagery to describe what's happening to the kingdom of Israel while they are in exile. Because all around them, really for centuries, the kingdom of Israel was always surrounded by threats, great threats at that. There were the e Egyptians to the south and the Babylonians in a few different areas around them. So the kingdom of Israel, depicted by this tree, was under threat by other kingdoms, which earlier on are depicted as eagles. And the eagles would come and pick at this tree and pick away the branches, presumably making their nests. 
thus weakening this once mighty tree, this mighty kingdom. And then we get to these verses that Myra read for us today. After this weakening of different threats around Israel comes this promise that God will find a way to replant this tree and raise it above all others so that it will flourish and provide fruit and shelter for many, not just for the Israelites, but for all people. So back in Ezekiel, this mighty kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, is a mighty tree that produces a whole lot of stuff for people. Now we get to this parable, and here is Jesus saying that the kingdom of God, what should be and is a far greater kingdom than any kingdom on earth, than the kingdom of Israel. You'd think it'd be a bigger tree or a mountain or, or something else like that. Instead, Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a tiny little mustard seed. That's a bit different. That doesn't sound powerful at all. Any farmer, even an average farmer, like the farmer that Jesus just described, they would never plant to this kind of plant because there's no fruit to speak of to harvest. And primarily because it was viewed as a weed. So imagine picking the most stubborn weed in your yard or garden right now and saying the kingdom of God is like that. The kingdom of God is like those thistles that grow everywhere. The kingdom of God is like crabgrass and dandelions. This is absurd to talk about. Why in the world would someone talk about the kingdom of God like this? So it's pretty funny when you think about it. Instead of a big mountain, we're talking about weeds here. It's pretty funny until you remember that one of the defining qualities of a weed is that it will relentlessly grow anywhere and everywhere all of the time. And when you think about that quality connected with the kingdom of God, suddenly Jesus sounds, well, like the genius that he is, and our understanding begins to take root, pun very much intended. Did you get that? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You've got to pump me up a little bit. Anyway. <laughs> so let's, let's summarize here because there are a couple different things going on. From the mustard seed, we learn that the kingdom of God is a kingdom that will grow rapidly, uncontrollably, unpredictably, and it can take hold at any time, in any place, through any one. From the farmer, we learn that in order for the kingdom to grow, as unpredictable as it might be, our work out here in the world is still important to helping the kingdom of God break through. And from the absurdity of it all that this passage takes on, we get something else. As Yogi Berra would put it, it ain't the heat, it's the humility. That comes through, the humility comes through with all of this. Let's put this together a little bit more. The work of the church is serious business. We are literally acting on behalf of the savior of the world. Like the farmer, we should work hard when it comes to loving and caring for and serving our neighbors. Yet at the same time, we should know that plants can still grow without a farmer. So let's not fool ourselves. We should be humble enough to know that the kingdom of God grows because of God. Now we could read into that and say that we were expendable in this story and that God doesn't really need us to break 
through into this world and, and the kingdom of God to be here. But that doesn't really jive. It doesn't jive with the amount of times that Christ tells us that we are loved and called by him to love others. And so let's read some grace into this too. So by reading grace into this, maybe we could say that we know and we can have faith that God will still be at work, even if we need to take a much needed break or vacation from the work of the church. God is still at work even if you are somehow incapacitated and not able to do the things you normally do. Whether it be that you're frozen in fear or sickness, injury or ailment, mourning a loss or feeling overwhelmed, God is still at work. God will still be at work even if it feels like you don't have the words to say to comfort someone in a tough situation or if something doesn't go as you envisioned or if things just aren't turning out the way that you thought they would despite all of your hard work. God is still at work. And the same is absolutely true for pastors too. Even if I don't feel like I'm giving a great sermon, I trust that God is at work somewhere in between my mouth and your ears. And Callan will still be baptized even if I had flubbed the words or spilled the water or excessive crying took place between him or I. Even then, God would still be at work. Callan would still be baptized. So companions in Christ, let us never stop working to make the kingdom of God known in the world. But don't let the heat of it all get to you because it's humility that we need. So as we work, may we be mindful that we're not the only heroes in this story. We work alongside others, and we work alongside God, who have never ceased to be at work in the world, and therefore, it's not all up to us. Thanks be to God for this grace in God's unending and relentless kingdom. Amen.
companions in Christ, work hard to bring the kingdom of God to this world. Do this with hope and faith and reminders through rocks and trees and mustard seeds that God will never stop working to bring about joy and love, grace and peace for all. Today and forevermore, God works. Go to love and serve the Lord and work alongside. Amen.